1: Almost a pause. You would think there would be a pause, but basically chapters 11, 12, and 13 are telling us what God has had enough of. When we get to our reading tonight, you'll see that this is a layout of, of what chapter 11 gives us. Chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, evil has no respect for God nor holiness. Verses 3 through 6, God empowers his prophets to prophesy And as you know, prophesy does not necessarily mean to predict the future. It means to preach. To preach the gospel to the people. And his intent was for evil to repent in the Old Testament, however evil always refused. Verses 7 through 10, evil overcomes and kills these prophets. And they are so happy that they end up celebrating it by giving each other's gifts, like it's Christmas, for example. They celebrate the killing of these prophets because it said the the prophets' teachings were tormenting them. Verses eleven through thirteen, we have the prophets being given life and taken up to heaven. Then chapter then verse fifteen we have the seventh angel blowing the trumpet. Verses sixteen through eighteen we have a worship scene. We have the, the we have the reaction from heaven as well as from evil. Concerning this this this, uh, this judgment that is coming, and then verse nineteen we have the opening of the temple in heaven. Uh, my regular reader is not here tonight, so Tom Collier has agreed to to read our, our chapters tonight. Revelation chapter eleven, the entire chapter. We've already covered the first six verses of chapter twelve, so he'll just be reading chapter chapter twelve verses seven through seventeen. Okay, Mr. Tom.
0: Revelation chapter 11. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will treat the whole, they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And I will give power... To my two witnesses, and they will prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven. So that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after the three and a half days... The breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and, the, and And great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake seven thousand people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past behold the third woe is coming quickly Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying The kingdoms of this world have come have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever And the 24 elders who sat before God on their throne Fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, and who was, and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, and they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail.
1: Yeah, continue on with chapter 12, please.
0: Revelation chapter 12, beginning with verse, verse 7. Verse 7. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, to her place where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ.
1: Thank you, sir. I warn you ahead of time, This, these, all these trees that are blooming have really messed up my allergies over the past several days, and I am very medicated right now, so I'm, I may just pass out here in a minute, and if so, Tom, you can just pick up where I leave off. Chapter 11, chapter 12, and chapter 13 tell us why... Christians suffer. It gives us a history lesson. It even goes back to close to the beginning of creation and brings us up to date, so to speak. And then when we get to chapter 13, we'll see what's actually taking place during the time period that the book of Revelation is being written. I hope you downloaded the uh, charts from the second lesson we had. On the second lesson, we had... A lot of affirmative and rebuttals. And we didn't, have, we didn't have any time at all to cover those. There were, there were seven, seven or eight arguments for 95 AD being the day, and along with rebuttals. There were some 13, I think 13 affirmatives for 68 AD, along with their rebuttals. I need to bring one in tonight for Revelation chapter 11. I'm going to end up reading, rereading chapter 11. I'm sorry, but there, there's some special emphasis that I need to put on some of the words in chapter 11 based upon this affirmative for, for 68 A.D. Chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. And there was given to me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given to the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. The claim of the 68 A.D., being being the date in which this book was written, uses these two verses saying, hey, he says to go up and measure the temple, so obviously the temple still existed. And the Gentile court, shall they tread? That's future tense. So obviously the book of Revelation was written before the destruction of Jerusalem. I don't really know that you can depend upon the verb tenses in chapter 11 to draw that conclusion. I would like to reread chapter 11 just briefly. Sorry, Tom. I want to put an emphasis on the actual verb tenses we have here. Starting with verse 1. And there was, past tense, given to me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, past tense, and said, rise and measure per." present tense, the temple of the altar of God. But the court which is without the temple, leave out. Okay, let's go on down to verse 3. I will give power to my two witnesses, future tense, and they shall prophesy, future tense, a thousand and two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth and ashes. These are present tense, the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing present tense before God in the earth. Come to think of it, I may not go through the entire chapter. These verb tenses jump all over the place. You have present tense, you have future tense, you have future perfect tense. Uh, in verse 7 there, shall have finished. You also have past tense all through this chapter. Um, it turns out that these two olive trees, he's talking about Moses and Elijah. But he says he will give power. He's already given power to his two witnesses. Uh, Moses and Elijah occurred in the Old Testament. So you cannot necessarily depend upon the verb tense in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, to come to the conclusion that 68 AD is when this book was written. That's the point I'm trying to make. Sometime when you have time, go through this book, go through chapter 11, and look at all the changes of the verb tenses. Sometimes they're future, sometimes they're past, sometimes they're present, sometimes they're future perfect. So to say, to to, to pick out just two verses and say, oh, two verses out of the book of Revelation, it's 68 AD. That doesn't work, that does not fly at all. Do the verb tenses determine the meaning of revelation? You cannot depend upon them. Revelation is organized in story format. There's a story that I tell my kids, told my kids when they were little, about something that occurred to, happened to me and my brother whenever we were young. In the middle, even though that happened last century, I still use future tense, in that story, and I will use present tense in that story, and I will use past tense in that story, even though it has already happened. So you cannot actually hear me tell that story and tell me when it happened based upon verb tenses. So be careful, especially with chapter 11. I have not not actually gone through and studied why there are so many different verb tenses, That'll be a good homework assignment for you. Check out that chapter and see if you can figure out why there are so many verb tenses in that chapter. I do not know why. I haven't studied yet, so I, I don't know. That's basically that point there. Okay, let's keep going. What does measuring the temple imply? I'll let you answer that. Save me from having to talk a lot. What does measuring the temple mean? It could be. It could be. Based upon the context of the book of Revelation, especially chapter 7, what would measuring the temple, the temple part of the temple, and then leaving out the uh, Gentile court imply? Yeah, I agree. God knows His people, and He knows, and there is a judgment coming. Yes, I agree with that. I uh, we're actually going to get into that again in chapter seventeen. We, we've covered it already. The earliest that this book could have been written is sixty nine A.D. The temple could have still existed. Because it could have been written in 69 AD. We don't know for sure. Because we are towed with... um, Well, I'll give you a preview of coming attractions. Eusebius, Irenaeus, Jerome, and who's the other one? There's four of them. Their Their historical writings indicate that it was Domitian. It was indeed Domitian that put John on Patmos... But Domitian's father took reign, uh, uh, was reigning as Caesar starting in 69 A.D. And we know that Domitian had military power under his father's administration. So it could have very easily been that, that Domitian did indeed put John on the island of Patmos as early as 69 A.D. And it could be that the book of Revelation was indeed written as early as 69 A.D. However, is the book of Revelation, is the tribulation the destruction of Jerusalem? We covered that in, chapter, in uh, lesson three. The book of Revelation gives us seven characteristics of the tribulation, and all seven of those characteristics contradict the historical record of the destruction of Jerusalem. They also, all seven, contradict the premillennialistic doctrine of the tribulation, and they were all seven in harmony with the saints of the first century being persecuted by the Roman Empire. Could the could the could the temple have existed when Revelation was written? Yes, absolutely. It could. It could barely, but it could have been. Yeah. Streets. Mm-hmm, let me let me bring this microphone back here so everybody can hear you especially the people online I've had people say they want to they want to hear. Well the church is also referred to as the temple of God. Yes. Yes it is. The fact that the court of the Gentiles is mentioned makes you think that it might be the actual temple or a temple from from Jerusalem. But yes that's that is true. You brought up a question regarding the the contradictory or conflicting tenses within the same uh, sentence or whatever. Could it not be a quote like Joe said, "I will do such and so"? It could be a quote, but um, it's not. I don't think not in eleven. Check it out. Check it out sometime. Research that. Um, I don't think the. I don't think chapter eleven is actually quotes. They're actually telling a story. They're talking about Moses and Elijah being given. He says, I will give them power to prophesy. Well, that, that's already happened. That's really past tense in history. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Possibly. That'd be a good thing to research to see exactly when and how each verb tense is used. But these verb tenses all throughout the book of Revelation are just all over the place. Even about, it even uses the future tense for things that have happened in the Old Testament. That'd be good research. And I, I, I admit I have not actually taken time to look at why we have so many verb tenses in that chapter. But we've already covered the fact. We've already covered the fact, though, that um, that the seven characteristics of the tribulation from from our third lesson are not consistent with the historical record of the destruction of Jerusalem but could the temple have still existed when revelation was written absolutely according to the 2nd and 3rd century historians yes could it could have been that does not necessarily that does not necessitate that the book of revelation is automatically about the destruction of Jerusalem though Could be, could be, could be. One problem you run into with the with the uh, destruction of Jerusalem, folks, is that they insist it was 68 AD or earlier. According to these historians, it had to have been 69 AD or later. Yeah, Jerusalem could have existed. The temple could have still existed. But to tell John... One question I have about telling John to go measure the temple, though, it's got to be symbolic because he's not going to transport John all the way to Jerusalem and then back again. You're going to find the same... uh, Let's see if I have a slide about this. You have the same thing being said about Ezekiel. I don't know if I have that context here. Ezekiel was told to go measure the temple When Ezekiel was told to do that, the temple did not exist yet. So there's another example of, well, did the temple exist? Well, we're not really sure. We're not sure one way or the other. Who are the two witnesses? Well, I've already said that. They are given power to devour their enemies. They they have the power to shut off rain from heaven. They ascended into heaven. They have the power to turn water to blood. They have the power to smite the earth with plagues. Who's that talking about? There's two of them, Moses and Elijah. In this case, they are probably representing all of God's prophets. I'm going to show you, well, it's in the very next slide here. There's just a few verses talking about how a lot of the Old Testament prophets suffered. They were hated, and in some cases they were murdered. Any more comment about that? Yep. If the if the two witnesses were Moses and Elijah, how do you associate this 1260 days with them since between the two of them, they had well over that amount of time to. I'm glad you asked. And you know what? I'm glad I fixed that slide. It's down at the very bottom of my slide deck. Let's talk about that for a second. Where is it? There you go. In AD 66, Flores, who was a Roman ruler in Judea, sent troops to Jerusalem. They killed 3,600 citizens. And that's what started the Jewish rebellion against Rome, which ultimately caused the destruction of Jerusalem by General Titus. Um, You're going to find in the book of Daniel, possibly in the book of Ezekiel, and for sure in the book of Revelation... Anytime you see three and a half, that also—it's usually three and a half years. It also equates to one thousand two hundred and sixty days. It also is equivalent to forty-two months. You're going to find in i am i thinking it's Daniel. Is it Daniel? I think it's Daniel. Ezekiel, possibly in Revelation. Anytime you see these numbers that show up, it's always a time of turmoil. It's always a time of chaos. Sometimes it's a it's sometimes it's a war. But rarely do you ever see these numbers in the book of Daniel, the the prophetic book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, and the book of Revelation. But what it isn't talking about some type of turmoil occurring. It is a symbolic number. One of the introductions that I used to have for Revelation went into the numerology of Revelation. And I may have to go back into that. But numbers have a specific meaning in the book of Revelation. And these numbers right here are usually, if not always in Revelation, indicative of some some period of time where there's problems occurring. Yeah. Yeah. time, times and a half time, That's another that's another. yeah. Um, that one's a little bit harder to prove, though, but yeah, I agree. it is. You're right, you're right. Time, times and a half time, three and a half, 1260 days, 42 months they're all symbolic. Don't take those literally. I, 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 I would say they were symbolic and figurative first unless it could be proven that they were literal. Good question. Does that answer it? Okay, good. that was a good question. I'm glad I just happened to have that slide available. Okay, let me go back and see. Where do we get to? Okay, we're there with the... Um, Clearly the Old Testament prophets, a lot of them were murdered that's one of the things that that God mentions in chapter 11 He's, i'm tired of i 'm tired of trying to preach to these people and these people just turning around and killing my prophets Any more comment on, on that let 's move on to chapter 12 we've got something interesting coming up in chapter 12. Um, What do we know about Satan? Here are some things we know about Satan. We know he was created like the other angels. We know he lived in heaven. Satan was in God's face about something. And here in a minute, we'll we'll, we'll discuss that in a little bit more detail. Angels were obviously given free will choice. Oh, oh, got to mention this. I have heard preachers say that the fact that that Satan had free will in heaven to defy God, to sin, means that when we get there, we have the same ability if we want to. I've, had, I've heard others say, no, we won't. I have not been to heaven yet, so I'm not going to say, yes, we can, no, we can't, but I will say this, and you can make up your own mind. If I have to deal with, in heaven, the same thing that I have to deal with here on earth, then why is it such a wonderful place to go to? If you get there and you have to deal with the same problems you have to deal with here, temptation, for example, sin, the problems of sin, the impacts of sin, even if you're not the one that did the sinning. If I have to walk on eggshells in heaven and I know I'm going to get thrown out the first time I mess up, why would I even bother going? But there are some people, there are some preachers, I have heard them say, Satan was given the choice to sin or not, we have that same choice when we get there. I've heard others say, no, when we get there, we're not going to have to worry about temptation, we're not going to have to worry about sin, because nothing sinful is there to tempt us in the first place. So, you can let that, you can mull that over in your mind over this next week, and, and... See what you come up with, but I thought I thought that was an interesting interesting contrast in doctrines. Satan did not want to leave heaven. The war is, was between God's angels and Satan's hand, angels. Satan lost and got kicked out. Satan, to me, appears to be one single spirit. Is that the Is that the is that what you think too? It just seems like he's one individual that has a lot of that has a lot of followers that's the implication that I'm getting from from chapter 12 and he's called the accuser of our brethren but the accuser of what something strange happens in oh let's get this first something strange happens in chapter 12 we'll cover in just a second let's look at this word accuser this word accuser is actually a legal term is like a prosecutor who brings charges against some someone. It is a complaint, a complaint in the law which brings charges. It's actually a legal, a legal term. Accuse and accuser. Let's take a look at this phrase now. This is this is strange. And this will be something that you, you feel free to go back and research behind me. Don't take my word for it. I've looked back, in fact, just a while ago, I looked at, I looked at BibleHub.com one more time just to make sure I was reading this right. For the This is the last part of, chapter, of verse 10. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now follow me on this. Based upon that phrase... It looks like Satan accused the brethren before he was cast out of heaven. Are you seeing that in that verse? He accused them, past tense, before God, day and night. The accuser is cast out, present tense. The implication is that Satan accused the brethren before he was cast out of heaven. If Satan did accuse the brethren before God, day and night, past tense, Then what did he accuse them of? Well, I can only think of one thing that that Satan would accuse us of, and that would be sin. Is there anything else? Yes, sir. Satan accused Job. Okay? Good comment because i got a question coming right back at you about that. Okay? Thank you for mentioning that. If Satan accused the brethren before God day and night before Satan was kicked out of heaven then that means Satan was free to roam the earth before he was kicked out of heaven. And that means that he had already tempted Eve and then after the war, he was kicked out of heaven and now roams the earth only. Where does, where does Job fit into this? Is Job before or after he was kicked out of heaven? I don't have Job up here, but that's, a, that's actually a good question. That, that, that is a very good question because Job is one of the oldest recorded stories in history. One of the oldest in the Old Testament. So where where in the schema of things, does Job fall in here? Now, interesting, huh? Okay, forget everything I've showed you on that slide because it's not right. This is what surprised me when I went... By the way, if you have not used BibleHub.com, oh, do it. You'll, you'll, you'll spend hours there. It, it's, it's an incredible site. If you look at the original Greek word of is and accused. The King James Version has the verb tense flipped. Is is actually has been. Accused is actually accusing. It's it is it's called a it's called it's called a present active tense. It means it's happening and it continues to happen. That changes things just a little bit. It looks like the war in heaven against Satan was for unspecified reasons. Now, we not, now we're not very sure why the war in heaven occurred and why Satan was kicked out of heaven. It was no longer accused. It's accusing. It's ongoing. So was it before or after? Now we're not quite sure. Satan lost the war and was cast out of heaven Satan is accusing, present active tense, the brethren before God day and night, was that before or after Eve was tempted. I wish we had a better timeline in chapter 12, but we don't. We can deduce some things, but not not very well, really. Don't know what this time frame is. I do know accused... Which accused is not past tense, it's present tense ongoing. There's another homework assignment. Don't take my word for this stuff. Y'all re, you'll research it yourself, okay? And, and see what you can find. Um, okay. Okay. We are now to the verse that tells us why Christians suffer. We don't, have to, we don't have to guess. We don't have to make things up. Chapter 12 tells us right here. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows he hath but a short time. That short time is the time that we're living now. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, verse 17, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Take chapter 11, combine it with chapter 12, and what do you come up with? We have Satan killing the prophets Well, first, Satan is in God's face for something, and he lost. He lost the fight. We have Satan trying to kill the prophets to stop God's plans to reconcile us back to God. He failed. He tries to destroy Israel to stop God's plan. He stopped him a few times, but ultimately he failed. He tried to kill the baby Messiah through Herod wanting to kill all children two years and under. He failed. He tempted the Messiah when the Messiah was older to get him to sin. He failed. He killed the Messiah. He crucified him to get rid of him. That didn't work either. Every time Satan tries to do something to get in God's way, he fails. All through the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, why do Christians suffer? Very simple. We're the only ones left standing. Who else is Satan going to go after? The prophets are done. The Messiah has already come and and ascended into heaven. Who's left but us? One of the contrasts that we talked about in, in, in the first lesson between the book of Revelation and the book of Genesis is that in Genesis, the earth became temporal and painful. In Revelation... We are there forever and there is no pain. Temporal and painful. Satan is going to wreck our world as much as possible, meaning your life. He's going to cause, now that pain's in the world, he's going to cause as much of this pain to come into your life and wreck your life as much as he possibly can to get you to not follow God. Now, I've... I heard all growing up that, hey, Satan wants you to follow him instead of God. Actually, that's not particularly true. Satan does not want you to become satanic. He doesn't want you to become a member of the satanic church. All Satan wants is for you to not follow God. That's it. He doesn't care who you follow just as long as it's not God. That's why Christians suffer. We are the last ones standing This is the last chance Satan has to get back at God. Agree? Disagree? Comments? Is that logical? I've heard of sermons and and devos and lectures about why Christians suffer. Right there it is. Right there it is. How do we defeat this accuser? According to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, we do it through the blood of the Lamb. Ah, there's our, there's our memory verse. I told you that memory verse was going to pop up over and over again. There's our memory verse. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins, there's how you overcome the accuser. Not because you're perfect, but because the blood is I don't know where I got this from. I wish I could give credit where credit's due. But I read this somewhere. It says, Satan knows your name but you by your sin. God knows your sin because you by your name. That's your memory verse. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. We have about two minutes left. Any comments on that? No, he doesn't. He does. Satan does not want Jesus' name mentioned anywhere, or God, that's right. And you know, it's interesting, Satan is, isn't wanting you to follow him, he just doesn't want you to follow God. Well, Jesus. Right. Jesus, yeah, yeah. Been people following God, which God you that's true, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the God of, of the Bible, right. You're, you're right. Yeah. Yep. And And if and can bring, since the world has pain in it now, if Satan can bring enough pain in your life to make you turn away from God, then he's won. He won. Satan won. Why do Christians suffer? Right there's the answer. let's cover this, this one right quick. Um, the best commentary on the book of Revelation is the Bible itself because the, the book of Revelation makes lots of re- references to other places in the Bible. One place it makes references to is the Old Testament. In verse 15, it talks about the earth opening up and rescuing the woman from the, from the flood that the, that the dragon put out to, to drown her. You see at least twice in the Old Testament where the earth opens up to accomplish God's, God's will. In the rebellion against Moses and Aaron, the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the rebellion. And the people who were around fled. The rest of the people fled because they didn't want the same thing to happen to them. These Christians who read the book of Revelation... Would know the Old Testament very well. And when they read in verse 15 that the earth opened up its mouth, they knew exactly. They knew exactly what that means. That means that means that the earth was doing something to help God accomplish his goal. Interesting references all throughout the book of Revelation to the Old Testament. Did I answer your question about the temple sufficiently? Okay. Could the te- was a the temple there? I don't know. Could it have been? Yes, it could have been. And we'll, we'll, we'll cover that timeline in a little bit more detail when we get to chapter 17 because we're going to be talking about 7 Kings plus 1, and that will give us a little bit more history.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.